Welcome back to the Successful Diligence Podcast. I am so grateful that you are back for another episode. Please do take note that all opinions and recommendations and encouragements that are shared on this podcast are my personal opinion or the opinion of the guests that I have on. It is not to be taken as medical or mental health advice. Please do consult your medical professional or your mental health professional with any questions or changes that you would like to make regarding your own personal situation. Welcome back to the Successful Diligence Podcast. I am so excited you are back for another episode. This is going to be a great conversation. And, you know, I never take it for granted that you lend your time to listen to the show, to interact and to send voicemail messages and emails to SuccessfulDiligence.com slash contact. I have the best audience ever. I am convinced. And that is why I continue to bring you quality value added conversations. And today is no different. I have a special guest who I met on Clubhouse. And if you're not on Clubhouse and want an invite, please do send me an email. I've got five. <laughs> but today, Jerry Riskin is visiting us and he is an internationally recognized lawyer, author, and management consultant, as well as founder of the 35-year-old Edge International, which is a global consultancy that has principals in Anguilla, Atlanta, Bangalore, no, Bangalore, Brisbane, Bristol, Delhi, Hong Kong, Kuala Lumpur, London, Melbourne, Miami, Mumbai, San Diego, Singapore, and Sydney. I didn't want to leave any of them out. International, global. And he has been practicing since 1973. And he was a managing partner of a law firm in Canada and Hong Kong before forming Edge International. Now, Jerry specializes in counseling law firm leaders on issues relating to the evolution of the structure and management of their law firms and the architecture of competitive strategies. So he knows his stuff, y'all. He is still a Canadian, but has resided in the Caribbean island of Anguilla, British West Indies for more than 25 years. And yes, I'm a little bit jealous of that because he's got a great view. Welcome to the show, Jerry. I'm so excited to have you. I'm honored to be here, Michelle. It's a real privilege. Before we get into our incredible topic that we're going to be talking about, introduce yourself however you would like to, to our audience in whatever way that you would like to. Well, you've done a pretty magnific magnificent job of giving some background and context already. Uh, I, I would, I'll give this uh, kind of punchline. I wanted to be a lawyer when I was a child, and I'm very glad I became one. I love the legal profession, and I love it because of what it can do for others, how it can serve other people. So it's an honor and a privilege both to have practiced law for so long, but also to help other lawyers uh, learn how to more effectively satisfy their clients. It's what I, I live love for. That. I love that. Now, I got to ask, as a child, were you one to argue? Is that why, why law sort of drew you in? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that would be the temptation, wouldn't it? The obnoxious little kid, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I'll tell you, um, 
I did. I, I was a fan of, you know, those lawyers who were on television and so on and so forth, the series and all of that, that intrigued me. And the other thing that touched me was I was troubled when people weren't treated properly mm. or, or when their rights weren't respected. I was troubled by that, even down to uh, one time when uh, I, I had the best parents in the world. May they rest in peace. The best. My mother at one point bought uh, a suite of furniture, I think a kitchen table and chairs from Canada's largest department store. Some of you may know that name, the Hudson's Bay Company. It goes back centuries. And the table that arrived wasn't perfect. And my mother, being the generous soul she was, just wasn't sure it was worth complaining you know, that it wasn't perfect. After all, it wasn't that imperfect. Just had one scratch or whatever. I called as a child, the president of the Hudson's Bay Company <laughs> to negotiate, <laughs> to negotiate the replacement of my mother's table. She was horrified. She was mortified. <laughs> but, but look, look, thank you. You know, I love the Hudson's Bay Company. I have nice memories of it, but no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We don't, we don't just accept. We're not rude. We don't ask for things that are inappropriate, but we do assert ourselves for what we're entitled to. That maybe gives you a, a little bit of my mindset as a kid. Yeah. I mean, that sense of justice and advocacy for what you believe in and stand for. I think I still have that big time. Yeah, big time. I, I love that because it really does propel you into action when sometimes you might not like your mother, you know, you're sort of wanting to be humble and okay, well, maybe yeah, I don't want to make a big fuss. But when that sense of justice and advocacy sort of kicks in, it propels you into the momentum and the motion of action, which it did for you, uh, which I think is great. So I love that. I absolutely love that. So what we're talking about today sort of, you know, is an extension of, of continuing that kind of conversation about, you know, when we think about success, right, and building a successful life and being successful in those productive outcomes that we're searching for in life, the endeavor to always be improving and to stay humble and to implement humility in that, in that, um, journey is something that some people embrace and are dedicated to and other people sort of throw it out the window and go for the jugular. <laughs> so I'm wondering about your thoughts about on the journey to success, what part does humility play in that? And what does humility even mean to you? That's a, that's a terrific question. Uh, humility to me is remembering that we serve others. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story on that. I, in, in Canada, uh, lawyers article like doctors intern in the United States. So you don't finish law school and just hang up a shingle as you could in the US. You article for a year. And when we hired articling students, uh, as I was a managing partner, I had a little speech for them. And the speech went like this. And, and, and uh, sorry, I have to give you context. We, we were so blessed to have some of the top clients in the world, and I mean in the world, in our law firm. So we, we would be perceived as very successful from the outside, at least. Well, I said to those articling students, we 
shine shoes. We shine expensive shoes. We shine them very well. The day you forget that we serve others is the day you will stop succeeding as a lawyer. It's one of my definitions of humility. I love that because it speaks to the servanthood of leadership. Because really, when you are providing a service or doing something for someone, which really is what service is, right? Whether you are a lawyer, whether you are providing a product, whether you are in a relationship with someone and providing love and a safe space for their heart and their mind, you are serving them. And when we forget that, it really does put us in a different stance and, and allows other things to, I think, complicate the uh, circumstance and relationship. So I, I love that. We shine shoes. And the minute you forget that <laughs> is the minute you stop it's being over. effective. It's Yeah, I love that. And so I do. I do. I do wish to add a little bit of balance to that, just in case any of your wonderful listeners, and if you listen to Michelle's podcast, and you're in the top percentage of intelligent people who know what they know what they're looking for. No, I, I want to balance that because if you interpret my not you, Michelle, but any listener interprets my comments as meaning that that means we're subservient. And we're we that we can be pushed around. Just recalibrate from there, because I'll tell you what, just because we shine their shoes and we shine them well, doesn't mean we will lie for them doesn't mean we will allow them to be unethical, doesn't mean we will not fire them as clients if they ask us to do things that are inappropriate. And it doesn't mean also that when we advocate on their behalf, that we won't be formidable enemies of the opposing side. Believe me, my favorite case for a little 96-year-old woman, may she rest in peace, she died at 105, Rebecca Scott, uh, I had to protect her from her greedy little relatives. And I'll just give you the punchline. Nobody would accuse me of being soft <laughs> in that negotiation. <laughs> I killed for her. I crushed for her. And it's my proudest moment in my in my active practicing life. I love that because you're standing up for someone who couldn't stand up for themselves necessarily. And I think you're right. You know, being humble and being in a servant mindset or a servant position doesn't mean that as you shine the shoes, if they kick you, you're going to just stand there and take it. No, you know, you're going to have boundaries and you're going to have strength to interact. And it doesn't mean that there's a difference of value either. You know, people have different roles to serve and a different role does not mean a difference in value. Absolutely not. Uh, uh, I understand where you're coming from. I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, value is almost an objective reality, isn't it? Sometimes it's objective and sometimes it's subjective. We put the value. So like when someone says, oh, I'm a servant, they can put a value judgment on that or a, judge, a value meaning on that that can be different person to person. And this is one of the reasons I love language because when I say value, it could mean something to me that's very different to you. Um, and so when I say having a servant mindset or a... a, a a position of servanthood being a role versus the value, the meaning, the um, intrinsic worth being, they're not equal, right? So my role and what I do does not equal the value of who I am. 
You know, Michelle, what you just said inspires me. A little light went on, uh, and and I'd like to shine it on the discussion for a second. Yeah. And that is this: we were debating is value objective or is it subjective? And I had asserted that it was objective, and you wisely said, "Wait a minute, there's a subjective dimension." Well, here's how quantum mechanics physics pulls those two things together. In my, again, humble opinion, in the context of at least practicing law. And it is this, value will be interpreted by the consumer. We all decide whether we think we got a good meal in the restaurant or not, et cetera. So that is true and that's very subjective. But what uh, one of the things that I train the lawyers I'm, I'm privileged to serve and the firms is to learn how to help the client build the ruler by which that will be measured. Mm-hmm. because what, what happens to a lot of really good lawyers is they perform darn well, actually, but they have unhappy clients, especially if the situation is difficult, like matrimonial or a lot of litigation, a lot of expense, blah, blah, blah. But if we're, if we're careful to describe to the client what's involved, what they can expect, what they can't expect and why, and if they understand that, then they become very realistic about measuring that value. So Michelle, you, you took me down that, that avenue of how do we marry the subjective and objective realities of value? And that is how. Yeah, and really that could translate to a whole bunch of other things as well. Coming to the same metric and understanding I love that that uh, picture that you put, you know, let's let's get let's help you build the ruler on how to measure that. I absolutely love that. So let me ask you this, because you strike me as a lifelong learner, someone who loves to continue to evolve in understanding and knowledge implementation, which I am a 100 percent that type of person. Why is being dedicated and committed to ever evolving, improving, enhancing. Why is that necessary when we think about having success, either achieving success or building a successful life? Why is that necessary or is it necessary? Well, tomorrow is more exciting than yesterday <laughs> to me. Yeah. And, and look, uh, I, I'm not a baby. I mean, even from the years you told your audience of my practicing law, blah, 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 uh, you know, I've been around a while. And so those clients that I have the privilege of serving, and they include, by the way, literally the largest law firms in the world to tiny boutiques. And it doesn't matter which one, I still love serving them. But anyway, if they're engaged with me, are they gonna say, well, Jerry's been around for a while. So, and you know, I heard Jerry speak at a conference uh, four years ago. Would we learn anything new if we engage Jerry? And the answer to that has to be, oh, yes. And their jaws have to drop. And how do I manage that? Well, again, it's with humility. But the people I'm talking to today are the people who are using artificial intelligence and machine learning and building protocols to help lawyers practice more effectively. Now, I I know there's a stereotype and a prejudice that, oh, uh, young lawyers would all be into that and old lawyers wouldn't. Not true. Uh, you cannot correlate with age. What you can correlate with is people who care about the future, people who have an imagination, people who want to create competitive advantage by being different, unique, and forward thinking. 
And so pulling it all together, uh, the quest to continue to learn and to discover is a nice to do, yes, but it's essential. It's, it's a condition precedent to success because those who don't have that hunger, uh, they'll languish in yesterday. And we won't invite them to speak again because we've already heard what they have to say. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. There are, I always say this, there are things that are true, whether we believe them or not. And, you know, the earth is rotating faster on its axis, whether we feel it or not. You know, there are some universal truths that are operating, whether we believe them or not. And life and the world is continuing to move forward, not backwards. And so you're right. If you languish in yesterday, and you don't continue to evolve and deposit new information, new knowledge and stay current, how can you really serve because you won't be in the same um, wheelhouse? You know, it's almost like I'll be trying to serve someone with an elementary school education, but they're functioning at a college level practically. Absolutely. You know, uh, are we allowed to talk about the time frame within which we're recording this, like where we are in the on the calendar? Yeah, absolutely. Because this is going to be released pretty shortly after we record. So yeah. All right. Well, there was there was a game, and those of you who are Americans, uh, you'll remember. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I think you probably know about this game. Probably it's a it's a football game, and uh, it's a pretty big deal, right? Just a slight well, big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so. Uh, let's talk about the commercials or advertisements that are broadcast during that game. Okay. Videos are made, compilations are made of those all the time. And people love just to, just to watch what the commercials were because they're, you know, so much is invested in them and so on. So let's go to this question. Why wouldn't we, if we had a good commercial that worked two years ago or last year, why wouldn't we just show that same commercial again during the Super Bowl? Well, I mean, people would be bored. We saw that already. What's new? This not entertaining. It wouldn't hold our attention. That's right. The people want to be touched in a different way than they've been touched before. Mm. They want they want to be thinking thoughts that they have not already thought. And as a result, those wonderful, brilliant people who create those commercials have to dig very deep in the imagination and innovation barrels to come up with something that might measure up. Well, which of us is different than that? Yes, we can learn from the past and we should always remember the lessons we learned from the past. But uh, when we're going to persuade a judge in a courtroom or we're going to ne negotiate with the opposite side in a legal matter, wouldn't we be more effective if we touched that other person in a way that stimulated them and made them more likely to conform to where we want them to go? Well, yes, and that's the art of persuasion and negotiation. Uh, absolutely. I, you know, what struck me though, is that this year, there's a lot of companies that opted out of doing a commercial for the Super Bowl and their absence spoke just as loudly as the innovative commercials that did air. So, you know, when thinking about choosing our actions for those productive outcomes, those success, you know, indicators that we're, we're looking for, sometimes not doing is just as powerful as what we do. 
What do you think Can about you that? Can you go deeper in that? I know, <laughs> I know it's your podcast, but I'm fascinated. Go a tiny bit deeper. Give an example or an illustration of kind of how that unfolded as you saw it. Yeah, well, I, I haven't really delved into it, but I'm just thinking in terms of applying it more in a relational sense and how when I'm working to have a successful marriage or a successful friendship, and I'm learning new things about the other person, new things about myself, as I'm integrating that new information and the relevancy and the timing of things I might wanna say or things I might wanna do, sometimes not doing or not saying has much more of an impact than if I were to come out with the action or the words. So, you know, with my husband, if I were to not wash the dishes that speaks volumes when I am proactive in washing the dishes when he wasn't anticipating it. You know, you're so right. And again, your comments inspiring. What it reminds me of is sometimes silence is the most powerful negotiation. Sometimes not answering that nasty little email or letter is the most powerful response to that missile. So yeah, right you are, right you are. And, and just transcending to uh, remote working, which is a factor in the pandemic, uh, there are many people who don't realize that some of the little nuances that happened to people when they were in an office together or whatever, that the absence of those is big and huge as a gap. And those leaders are forgetting that they have to compensate for that by doing some other things like reaching out and showing their employees they care and so on. I don't go take it too deep a dive into that, but it's one of my areas of focus these days. That yeah, we no, not that ignore. is so true, Jerry, that is so true because, you know, when we think about communication and, and, and the dedication needed to improve our communication and you take out the nonverbal, you know, when we're not in front of someone, so we can't read their micro expressions or their facial expressions over email, um, a Zoom call or a WebEx, of course, you can sort of get it, even if it can be delayed due to technology, but it's a very different way of interacting. And I think staying humble to say, I don't know everything, but I'm still learning and I'm going to be dedicated to improving even in this new environment with all these new, you know, fancy schmancy things <laughs> is so key when we are striving towards success. You know, I, I think building on that, uh, the, I was asked to do an article for the American Bar Association publication. And I, my recent article is called Leadership, Agility in the Face of Fragility. And there is something that a psychologist uh, taught me not that long ago uh, about why we're as fragile as we are right now. And he said, Jerry, there are three kinds of changes that are devastating to us as humans. One change is, is, is a change that comes as a surprise. We weren't expecting it. Number two is a change uh, which takes away our control. We can no longer govern ourselves the way we want. And lastly, change number three is one that might be threatening, even life-threatening. So Michelle, where are we? We are all living in these times with those three kinds of changes 
and I don't care how brave our outward face is or, or how we're composed, how well we meditate, how well we breathe. <laughs> the fact of the matter is all of us have some reaction to that. Oh, Heaven yeah. forbid those who are you know, actually physically sick and, and worse and we've lost them, uh, but all of us. And so anyway, uh, wrapping it in a package, uh, I think we all have to keep that in mind that the other folks on planet Earth right now are fragile. Yeah. Period. I love the title of that too. Um, but yeah, we are, I mean, as human beings, we're fragile anyway. And I think the, the humility of recognizing that we are fragile is something that we have to continually remind our ego <laughs> because our ego can get so, so strong and mighty, you know, so to speak. Um, but yeah, and all three of those changes, we are all as a global you know, human community, we're all experiencing that. And it, it's, it's unprecedented, you know? Wow. So, so Jerry, a, a, you know, as we're, as we're sort of winding down the conversation, what, what are some, some highlights that you really want the audience to walk away from this conversation with, from, from all that we've talked about? One's a, a tangent, it immediately comes to mind because I don't think we mentioned it or nailed it directly. But that is to remain calm. Don't react. You know, we, you, you've heard it. I've heard it. We've all heard it if, when we've listened to wise people that we can't choose what happens to us, but we can choose how we react to it. So react in a state of calm. Take some time to reflect. Just keep doing the best you can. One foot in front of the other. Get help from where you can and so on. And I think uh, we'll all be all right. That's sort of number one. Number two, if you're thinking about a career in law and you're a very young person and you think it's a way to get rich, please don't enter the practice of law. Please go do something else. Be a, be a dot-com entrepreneur, be whatever you want. But, <laughs> but the, the, the fact of the matter is don't ask for my help. Don't ask for my help if you just want to make money out of the practice of law. But if you want to help others, if it offends you when people aren't taught the rules of the game well enough that they, it can be a fair game for them, then I will help you. And uh, I, 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 I'm proud to tell you because my wife inspired this, uh, the book that my most recent book is called The Successful Lawyer. And that book, by the way, is my attempt to convey to a sole practitioner or an individual in the biggest firm in the world who I don't get the privilege to consult to and work with. What are the people I am working with? What do they get out of the deal? What are they learning? And I tried to encapsulate that in a readable bite-sized book. And one of the things I said in the book is if you, if you look at that book, and by the way, I think it's the cheapest price on Amazon for a Kindle that I was allowed to offer. It's just a few <laughs> dollars. But, but the punchline is this, if you get that book, and you want to talk to me personally about your situation or how you think I might be able to help you, there'll be no fee for that. That's not part of my professional services. That's part of my caring about my profession. So again, punchline, if you want to be a lawyer because you love the idea of helping others, I'm your new friend and I will help you. <laughs> just be servant minded. And I love that. I'll put the link to the book in the show notes. And the other thing is that if you want to connect with Jerry, one way is to meet him the way I met him, which is on Clubhouse. Uh, he is active there and the conversations 
that he participates in and contributes to are just phenomenal in terms of the, the substance. So if you're looking for conversation that's going to make you think, that's going to make you question, that's going to help you stay dedicated to evolving into the best version of yourself, definitely, you know, there's a little bell on there. Click the bell for Jerry uh, and just go to whatever room he's in. But where else can people find you other than the book in Clubhouse? Well, if they know my name, uh, I have I have a well I, I have a blog and the URL is my name jerryriskin.com uh, and there's contact information there and my global consultancy which is Edge International has a very short name uh, I, I, you mentioned I live in Anguilla and our our uh, our country code our URL is .ai like artificial intelligence in fact even Google has one of our domain names so it can be google.ai but anyway punchline edge.ai will take you to my consultancy and my name.com will take you to my blog and i'd so welcome hearing from you and trying to help are you on linkedin as well yes i'm on linkedin facebook uh twitter at risk all the places. On twitter <laughs> uh, all the I, i'm an early adopter I, I had a gmail address when they were still uh uh, making you wait for an invitation to have one, you know, so. I love so, it. I love uh, it. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I will I put, think um, I'm everywhere. I'll put all the links on how to contact Jerry in the show notes listeners, as you know, so you can click and go copy and paste and go. This has been such a, um, such a good conversation for me. I always love talking to Jerry. It's such a, a sunshine, bright spot in every day that I get to have the opportunity. So thank you so much for coming on the show and allowing me to introduce you to my audience. And you know, audience, I encourage you to follow up and learn more about Jerry. He's just a phenomenal human being in addition to all of the knowledge that he has to offer the world. So thank you so much, Jerry, for coming on the show. Well, Michelle, because of who you are, I was uh, meant it when I said I was honored and privileged to be on your show. And I too look forward to the conversations, future ones with you on Clubhouse as well. Yeah, we are connected now. And listeners, we're still connected as well. So as I always say, keep walking. Always, always keep walking. Never stop walking because if you continue to walk, you will reach your destiny. You will reach your destination. And on the journey, I encourage you to always, always choose gratitude.